When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, Jason, a national anthem. Yeah, yeah, like like the anthem of, of the nation. Oh, right, right. I am so silly. I was so I was so zoned in on the Canadian part. And I just got I got I just got distracted by everything else. But you want the national anthem, Jason? I've got the national anthem for you. Stand oh. the fuck up, good sir. Oh, well, that's nice. Sounds familiar. This goes way back to us, way back. But that's not an anthem, Brendan. Wait for it, they're singing! Some talk of Alexander and some I'm assuming Alexander Graham Bell? Of Hector and Lysander and such great names as these. But of all the world's brave heroes, there's none that can compare. And then it goes, Sir John A. MacDonald, the world's first prime minister, the Canada's first I prime minister. I don't think that's... I don't think I'm pretty sure that's the Grenadiers song that we've been using as our theme song during the British portions of this program since the very beginning. Number one. Wait, wait, wait. What do you, what do you mean? Are the British portion of our podcast? The portion where we talked about British movies. You remember that? Mm, I. That sounds made up. We 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 did a list at the end of it. It was a, there was a hundred of them. Uh, okay, Chris Jericho. <laughs> we did uh, we did we did flying elbows. We did uh, uh, tiger drops. Uh, I think we've just been talking, I think this is a brand new show as of, I don't know, six episodes ago. So your memory's been wiped and you're an idiot. That's how your character changed in between this season and last season, Brendan. Listen, Jason, the writers told me, the writers told us that we had to make some major changes. Ratings are down. They said, go dumber. They said, go even dumber. And we said, why? They said, go dumber-er. Yeah. They wanted to do a season that was when Brendan met Jason, dumb and dumber-er. And I said, well, that's not going to that's not going to work because, I mean, that part of that title's already been filmed. And they said, well, how about just dumber er Brendan and Jason, dumb, dumb dummies, our screen, our country, a. And I said, OK, it's long, but I like it. Yeah, it's well, listen, Apple was like, are you sure? <laughs> that's a that's a lot to put in our SEO. And I said, don't fuck with me, Apple. Don't fuck right. with me. Yeah, you don't want to fuck with Apple, but just Tim to, Apple. But just- but just to reaffirm here, Brendan, that wasn't an anthem. That was a song. That was a song very familiar to us. And I love it, and I was happy to hear it. But it's not an anthem. It's not the British anthem, and it's certainly not the Canadian national anthem. Jason, why don't you just tell the good people what uh, what the fuck they're listening to? Although they probably already know, but tell them anyways. Well, you're listening to a couple of idiots talk about uh, whatever they want to talk about. And eventually, it turns into a podcast called... For screen and country. But right now it's called... Our screen. Our country. A. A. Yes. 
And we are looking through, we are watching through, we are reading through, we are enjoying our way through the top 10, bracket 11, Canadian movies of all time, as ordained by the Toronto International Film Festival in the year of our Lord, 2015. Indeed, Jason. And what number are we on this week? If I remember correctly, Brendan, we are on film number four. We are on film number four. That's right. So that means we are talking about... And we've said our names. I was going to say our names. We said our names. But that yeah. means we're talking about... Uh, we're very professional on this show. Did we say our names? Well, you said Brendan and I said Jason to you. Oh. So people got it figured out. Well, just just to reaffirm, I'm Jason, he's Brendan. Okay? Are we good? Are we set? And Great. I'm Jason and he's Brendan. Got nope, it? That's good. not true. What? That is... Mm. So we are going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about number four on the list, Jason. This is the uh, French language film, Jesus of Montreal. Why did you pronounce that half Hispanic and half French? <laughs> I'm just trying to appeal to all. Our, that's another thing they said. They want this to be a four quadrant podcast. Uh, I'm just yes, trying to make it. sure we hit every culture. We offend Cr- every culture. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's right. Because we want people to tune into our podcast to be angry. We, we want to get in on that market. There's a lot of money there. I want I want um, the anti I want the anti keyboard warrior support is what we're going after. So okay. basically, I want the support of Parlor. Oh 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 no no! Oh, you, no. you summoned him. There he goes. I know, oh. I know I know you want my support. All you have to do is talk about January sixth in positive way. <sighs> Dude, they don't even use you anymore. There's nobody's using that service. They're all on other stuff. I know I know I know. Everybody use Parlor. Parlor great. You you want to get on Parlor? Okay. You're, we're not promoting Parlor. Get the fuck out of here, bud. You're not oh. welcome, eh? Okay. Bye. Thank you. <sighs> Hey, it's me. I'm what? the new Who? guy around here. It's it's Blaine Gitter, and I'm here oh. to promote my website. You're right. I'm the new big boy in town, and you want Gitter? You get on Gitter. No, no, we're not promoting you either. We're not promoting anything. We're not even. We only promote Twitter. We don't even promote Twitter. We just use it. Look, listen, it's, 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 nothing really, personal, Mister Gitter. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Every time any one of you guys types the word "get her," Google my Google Analytics pick that up. And I send you an invite to get her. And Jason, you ain't done replied yet to my invitation. How many times could I possibly type the phrase get her? Let, let, me, let me just check here on my silk piece of paper. Okay. 482 times in the last oh. five years. Oh, that's awful. That says a lot about me that I don't I don't like. Well, uh, you could maybe you're just a big fan of Larry the Cable Guy, of which I am too, especially his politics. But that, but he says get her, not get her. Well, hold on there. We, we, we take variations of that, too. Oh, oh, okay. So anyway, uh, we're going to set you up with a username, password. Uh, uh, we just need your social insurance number, your uh, your blood type, your address, phone number, all that, you know, all the usual stuff. <sighs> Block. Cancel. Hey, what's happening? Wait, uh, cancel, uh, cancel. Uh, cancel, 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 cancel. Nice. Wow, there's more bullshit than usual this week. There's a lot of bullshit. I like that I can just shout cancel at people now. Is that what they were talking about when they're talking about cancel culture? Because I misunderstood, and that is very useful. I don't see why everybody's so mad about it. I would be using it so much in my life. Oh, it would make things so much more peaceful, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> sure would. But yes, we are talking about uh, Jesus of Montreal. Pardon me. I will uh, never do that again so as to accidentally summon people like that. Mm-hmm. Jesus of Montreal, hit the theme. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, ladies and gentlemen, as we say each and every week, that music can only mean one thing. Jesus of Montreal. What year was it, Brendan? 1989? 1989, the year of our Lord. The year that my wife was born, the year that Taylor Swift was born, and the album that Taylor Swift did. And what else happened in 1989? Was that the Berlin Wall? The Berlin Wall came down? I turned three, most importantly. I turned six. Old man. Mm Mm-hmm. Just playing on my Nintendo in 1989. (laughs) Tim Burton's Batman came out? Yeah, that was a great movie. It was a good year. That's all I got. Was uh, was that the Dolph Lundgren Punisher? Was that that year? Yeah, I've there still you never go. Seen so, it. I've, n- I've never seen it either. I just know it came out that year for some reason. Okay, but yo, we are talking about not Dolph Lundgren's Punisher. We are talking about Jesus of Montreal. Brendan, wh- can you tell me what this movie is just a little bit, and then I'll try to fill in some some gaps here because, well, essentially this this is a movie about uh, a bunch of actors attempting to put on a passion play. About... We've seen movies with actors before. <laughs> many you might say no. <laughs> almost all of them almost all of them no but but what i mean and i should be more specific <laughs> movies about actors putting on plays or or like a like a theater troupe like we watched that one with albert finney the dresser the dresser that was a good one what else was there well i guess hamlet but that's not real well the 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 henry the uh, henry the fifth yeah yeah the that 40s one. henry the fifth for sure so this is this is a classic trope yeah, although henry the fifth was more like it was just a framing thing mm-hmm. rather than like a full Behind the scenes and everything. But it was a play within a play, the play being a movie. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would say a little bit. A little bit. Although there were, if only there'd been like a plot around the outside of it, that would have been cool too. <laughs> that would have been great. Just like the dresser, somebody backstage mm-hmm. being like putting on blackface and be like, No, that's for the next play, stupid. So yeah, it, it's it's oh sorry, did, did you want me to tell you what it's about? Yeah, you can tell me. Oh, cause it, okay. Yeah, I'm leading, so you go ahead. You tell me what it's about. This uh, this movie is about uh, 115 minutes. Hey! hey! No, it's about a bunch of uh, actors attempting to put on a passion play about you know about Jesus. It's it's the Jesus story. You know the Jesus story. I'm familiar with the Jesus story. Everybody is. Um, but they're attempting to put it on, and uh, they run into a bit of controversy because in order to do so, well, basically the priest first says, "I want you to shake it up a little bit, not too much, <laughs> but I want you to like." <laughs> modernize it a little bit because it's an old story you know people aren't yeah. flocking to it like they used to so maybe just like gussy it up a bit and yeah, they attempt I, to do that but i think he meant like like give jesus some sunglasses maybe have some guitar in the background you yeah. know just just like spice it up a bit just make it appeal maybe like eddie murphy does the voice of the donkey you yeah know, like something like that but jesus has been born <laughs> they do it they they go too far because he does some like he does some research he starts taking some information from like uh, uh, you know, that might have been contradictory to what the Bible said, uh, some historical information about Jesus. And it becomes quite controversial for the priest who basically threatens to say like, well, you have to change this, but it becomes very popular. People love it. But he's like pushing and pushing. You have to change it. You have to change it. And they refuse to. Um, they even have the actor playing Jesus, that uh, Daniel, who gets kind of lured in a little, a little bit temporarily by like the world of advertising and media, and they try to pull him into that. The other actors get pushed around a little bit, um, and it's kind of just about that struggle. And then, interestingly, which we'll probably go into a lot, is that the story of Jesus and the story of this movie about them trying to get this play done without running into troubles mirror each other. They start to mirror each other more and more. 
yeah, there's there's it's it's not a one for one like transposition of of Jesus's life, but there are events that are clear references to things in Jesus's life. I mean, and at first I wasn't wasn't sure that that was the deal. Like I was just watching through and being like, I don't know if they're going to go that direction. But then at one point he flips a table and it's like, all right, I see what we're doing here. We all I know gotcha. the table flipping. The table flipping. Well, there's the money changers in the temple, right? And of course in the movie, he flips over a table full of equipment and slaps a lady, but we will get to that. Don't worry, folks. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean, even on, even when you look at the official credits, not yeah. maybe not the official credits, I think this is like what kind of Wikipedia or IMDB or whatever has analyzed, but they, they tell you the actor that plays the character, and then they tell you who the biblical equivalent to that is, which yeah, yeah. makes sense if you if you think about uh, the movie. Well, I think it's also who they play in the play within the movie, but it also mm-hmm. could be read as who their character kind of is in the movie outside of the play. Like Daniel for is Jesus, let's just say right now. Daniel yeah. is, is playing Jesus, and he very much is like a Jesus-like figure, I would say. Well, yeah, especially his his appearance. He doesn't have a beard, but he's no. very skinny and and kind of uh, he wears a lot of like white suits, which were popular at the time, of course. Uh, but like he comes across as a bit like messianic, I guess, in his activities because he's getting all these people together and he, like he's he's getting the band together to make a play. Okay, I mixed a metaphor there, but no, it's okay. He, it's it's <laughs> the, the country bears is just like the Bible. I agree. Exactly, exactly. Nobody. He's getting the band together in the same way that Jesus kind of got his disciples together and they all believe in him because he's like, he's not a mainstream like actor or playwright. Like he's very underground, you know, he does more esoteric shit and, and they're all with him on that. And they're all kind of like from different kind of lower end ways of life. Cause like when we meet uh, Remy Gerard's character, what is his name? Uh, uh, Martin. Martin. Yeah. When we meet him, he is, <laughs> he is overdubbing porn films. <laughs> yeah. He's doing ADR for pornography. <laughs> That scene is hilarious because not yes. only is he doing that, but he, the the there's another actor that's supposed to be there to play a different guy in the scene, and he apparently never showed up. So, Mar, uh, uh, Martin is going back and forth between the microphones playing each guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. I laugh very hard. He just yeah, exactly doing both voices at the same time into each microphone. And at one point, he mixes up which microphone he does the voice into. And the director's like, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Everyone's <laughs> Nobody gonna cares. be coming by now. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah, but the, so we got that guy. He's from there, and then we get um, uh, the well, what's her name, the the younger lady, Muriel. Muriel, yeah, she's in a relationship with the director, and he basically uses her as eye candy for ads. And they get into a fight, and he says she's got no talent; she just has a great ass, and that's the only talent she has. So she leaves him and joins the theater company. We got uh, what's her, is it, uh, Catherine Constance? Constance, it was close. Uh, yeah. who's sort of the Mary Magdalene character who's, uh, no, you know, Constance is like Mary, or not Mary Magdalene. Jesus. Sorry. Yeah. I guess yeah. The Mary mother of Jesus, where she's sort of like the, she's like the older woman that kind of keeps the group together. Yeah. She has having a relationship with a priest. Well, she's an least, interesting, she at least fucks him. Cause and I guess that's sort of a representation of Mary being immaculately conceived in the sense that the priest represents God and she's mm-hmm. kind of the mother of everybody and the mother of, of yeah, the mother of the group. Well, I would argue the priest, by the way, Father Leclerc, is supposed to be supposed to be a Judas of some type. Well, I mean, in the I don't know, I, I don't know that that's applicable, and I see why they put maybe in there. Or it's, it's not I, exactly. I said I said maybe. I said possible. He's possibly Judas because he so he doesn't so much sell them out as he kind of does his job. 
because he's a priest yeah. of the Catholic Church, and they would not be very happy with this. What what is essentially a heresy? This play, which is not the official line, right? But it's I, a heresy. But, but I think also his thing is that he personally doesn't have a strong feeling about it. He's doing it to he's doing it to protect himself, which kind yeah. of does go back to what Judas was doing a little bit and sure. looking out for his own well being. I'm not saying that's good or bad specifically, but I I'm mean, just yeah, saying I, that I, reminds that part reminds me a little bit. I guess you could make that a because Judas did it for money, right? Uh, and maybe, uh, maybe to cover his own ass and not get in trouble with the authorities. But he did it for pieces of silver, and I guess if, in the same way that the priest has sort of did it for pieces of silver, I guess because he, as he points out in the movie, this priest, this is the only life he knows. He went to the seminary when he was nineteen years old. Like, yeah, if he were to leave the church today, as, as he says, they'd give me a, a pair of pants and a shirt and fifty bucks, and that'd be it. That'd be it. I wouldn't have a place to live. I wouldn't have a job. I don't even know how to live. I've been a priest so long, so I can't leave. And maybe it's at this point we should just uh, start uh, planning our cause for getting people getting paid in pieces of silver. Yeah. Let's make no, it happen. It, it feels really good when it jingles around in your pocket. You really feel like you accomplished something when you get paid. I mean, I would just like, a, a, you know, a, a few hundred bucks uh, in pieces of silver. I would be happy with that. No, no, no direct deposit. I'm just going to bake it. I'm just going to have a jar. <laughs> just just pouches of them around your belt so that you get a workout every day just hauling your entire asset fortune around with you I walk pieces with, of silver. I walk with my house. <laughs> jink, 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 jink. Uh, just, you sound like a fucking cowboy in the old west walking along. We also have Robert Lepage, who plays Rene, mm. um, who has a, a very funny moment where he... Um, he says he really wants to do this monologue from what was it, Hamlet? Yeah, it's Hamlet's soliloquy. To be it's or Hamlet's not to soliloquy. Be. He's like, "Is there a way we could work it into the play?" And then hilariously, when they're showing the play, he all of a sudden starts doing Hamlet's soliloquy, and I laughed. I don't know if that was supposed yeah. to be like an outright hilarious moment, but I had a good laugh at that because he literally got them to insert this from another play into this play. I mean, and and I think it's it's. I don't think the audience minds because the play is kind of weird, anyways. Like it's a weird mishmash of, of yeah history and myth and different ideas. I, I really think that, that uh, Paul, is it Paul? Paul? Well, who's the main character? What's Daniel. his name? Daniel. There's so many French names. I can't keep track of them all. <laughs> Daniel. So Daniel, I, I think Daniel watched Last Temptation of Christ and was like, I can do that, but better and weirder. <laughs> well, it's funny because Last Temptation of Christ came out the same year as this movie, Jason. Oh, did it really? Yeah. I didn't realize so... that I, I forgot that that movie was that late. Because there was a comparison uh, somewhere I read where they said, uh, basically, the reaction to this movie was not even a smidgen of the reaction to The Last Temptation of Christ in terms of people that were absolutely outraged. Mm. Yeah, the Catholic Church reacted a much more strongly to uh, Martin Scorsese's epic. Well, I think part of that is just it has bigger reach. Martin Scorsese, very famous director. Denny Arcand, far less known. Uh, and Certainly uh, also in, in, in America. Well, yeah, but I mean, and even the you know, the movie's in French, so that all immediately limits its appeal, unfortunately. Well, and Denise Arcand, uh, we talked about the director. He also plays the judge in this movie, mm. who can also be described as Pontius Pilate. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, and but the, I don't know. Does the judge wash his hands of anything? Like, is he? I guess he's just he's he's like uh, Pilate in the sense that he's just kind of half-heartedly doing his job. I just meant he was the pilot of a Pontius. Oh, oh. Chris Pontius from uh, Jackass? Yeah, he was riding around Chris Pontius in the sky. Nice, nice. Um, very bumpy, naked, of course. Uh, naked, yes, but very bumpy ride because his Pontius likes to obviously do stunts on the way, so it was yeah. very dangerous. 
<laughs> crashing into fucking magazine racks and such very, things. Very, very dangerous. Jackass Forever in theaters now. Check it out. Um, I see it. <laughs> it's quite good. So, yeah, that's pretty much the cast. That's pretty much the plot. I want to go back to Daniel again just for a second, though, because we were talking mm. about how he was uh, re- uh, kind of direct, directly in line with Jesus and his story, kind of. You yeah. mentioned how he's, like, recruiting some of the people. Yeah. Um, also, he's kind of wandering the earth because we find out at a later stage that they don't know who any of his relatives are, too. Mm. Yeah. And we don't really know a lot about his, like, family or history or anything, which I thought was interesting, almost like he was placed there. Well, and we have that moment too, where we we see kind of an intercut between this journalist lady on the radio talking about him, and then like a local TV show with an older guy talking about Daniel, and they're both saying basically opposite things about him, like "Oh, he's traveled the world," and then the other guy's like "Oh, he's never left Montreal," and then "Oh, he, uh, you know, he he wanted to make it big, but he didn't make it," and then they're like "Oh, he was always he wanted to keep it small and like you know do the weird stuff like they basically just keep saying the opposite things and it's like nobody really knows anything about the guy he's just there you know and and i mean right away doesn't that make you think of how people interpret religion so differently yeah well that's the thing like how much do we actually know about jesus we only know what we know from the gospels really there's not much mention of him outside of it the odd passing references by other roman historians but we know he had a hell of a singing voice You belong to the city of Bethlehem. You belong to the night that my dad made. You are the Christ. Yes, the great, the great Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Do, do, do. Um, and it, so the other thing, okay, so even like when he's getting the actor, the actor that's doing like the, the porn ADR, mm. I kind of thought about like how, I mean, Jesus walked with a lot of like you know they're like prostitutes yeah like mary magdalene was a prostitute and there were other you know women of the trade there was harlots you know that kind of thing so i don't know it just it just tied into the to to that i think yeah like the poor people the people that you know are in the slums and living at the very bottom of society those are the kind of people he walked among um also the I think we talked about the the church persecution of both people, both characters, in different mm-hmm. ways, of course. Obviously, they're not trying to kill Daniel. Well, they're not trying to kill Daniel, but we'll no. get into that later. But they're certainly um, trying to stop him from doing this play. I mean, literally, at some point, security guards show up to a later staging of the play and shut it down. Uh, <laughs> Actually, and the thing, too, is that it's not even that they are trying to stop him from performing the play. It's that because they, uh, because they own the church property, they don't want him doing it on church property. They, they, I think it even point out specifically, they don't care if you do it elsewhere. Yeah. You just can't do it on church property. <laughs> yeah. And I, well, I think their argument is that we've already brought all these people here. Like they're yeah. already here to see it. Uh, we're not going to suddenly not do it for them. Yeah. And that's the thing too. I guess we haven't really mentioned this yet, but the, the, this isn't like a play on stage. This is one of these like yeah. experience plays where it is set at various places around the uh, church. And that's where the, the quote unquote stations of the cross are. And they go to each one and see like a performance done there. And like it ends in a tunnel, I think. It reminded me of the third man, by the way. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't catch on to that right away at first. So when they're doing like, by the way, there's a good like 25, 30 minute section of this movie that is the play. Yes. Uh, like at least part of it. And when they cut to that, I thought that was just them kind of figuring out, oh, this is how it's going to look. And in their mind, it was very cinematic. Hmm. Um, and it, and it took me a while to realize, oh, there's people standing around in like modern yeah. clothing, like just yeah. watching. And it just remind it's like, it's kind of like here. And I'm sure a lot of other places when they have like Shakespeare in the park. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know if you follow the actors around or if they're just basically in the same spots, but that that's that seems like a similar thing. I feel like this movie didn't invent that idea that there are no, places no, no. where you could go from room to room or place to place on a property to see like different scenes play out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not saying they invented it, but I'm just yeah. saying like it, it seems similar to to that idea. Yeah. Um, I get you. Yeah. I mean, I, there's other similarities and they come later in the movie. So maybe we shouldn't uh, get to that yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, this movie, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect with this, what this was going to give us uh, on its considering its stance on religion. Yeah. But I would say that it takes some shots. Oh, yeah. Um, certainly takes some shots. Um, there's well, we that, have a priest that isn't celibate right off the bat. Oh, yeah. He's he's super fucking constants. Mm-hmm. There's also super that fucking super fucking her. <laughs> that's that's when you that's when you go dick deep, my friend. Yeah, well, that's that's from all that buildup of a lot of years of not doing it. Because he, I bet you, he was a good priest until he wasn't. Yeah, at least yeah. Uh, you know what? At least he's fucking adults. That's that's true. Good for him. We we have to pat him on the ass for that one. Good job. <laughs> good game. <laughs> um, and, and it seems to be consensual. So also yes. a bonus. Yes. So priests. You know she, what? I don't think she works for him. So, well, well, though she did act for him before, so maybe there's a power imbalance there. Mm, I, I feel like it was pretty okay, though, what they were doing. Yeah. I, that's the thing. Priests, you just let priests have consensual adult sex. Yeah. What's, what's it going to hurt? That's right. Exactly. That's uh, Come on, church. Get over yourselves. Listen, I, it, now, it's <laughs> it sounds weird for me to say, like, just let them do it so they don't do other things. But, like, I don't think not having sex makes you suddenly want to fuck no. children. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. Certainly not. I, I don't know, like, oh, man, it's been a month since I've had sex. <mwah> kind of feeling a younger sort tonight. <laughs> it's like, hey, Catholic Church, if you want priests, you're going to have to make a few changes, guys. You got to make it. You got to add a gift box. You got to offer uh, benefits, like medical benefits. Blue Cross, full Blue Cross insurance, and you got to allow priests to get their dick wet. By adults. So the, 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 these words, yes, by adults, these words are going straight to the ears of Pope Francis. Pope, we know you listen. Thanks for oh. listening. You're a great listener. You've contributed many um, Pope dollars to the podcast, and we can't spend them because we don't know what they are, but thank you. <laughs> it's not It's not a currency our country no. recognizes. No, but... I think he printed them himself on his inkjet. <laughs> But Jason, we know it's him because I check the downloads every week and there's always just one every week from Vatican City. It's just yep. that one download. We know it's him. It's got to be. Who else would it be? He lives there alone. Uh, you can hit him up at his email at pope at popey dot pope. That's right. That's right. I'm glad Doug, I got that one. Doug Gov. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, that stuff. And then there's the also the um, that wackadoo librarian that walks up to Daniel when he's researching the play at first. And she's mm-hmm. like, it is he who will find you. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was just like random, like Christian behavior. It's like, Oh yeah. You're looking for Jesus. Well, Jesus is the one that's going to find you, but. And Daniel gives her a look like, all right, girl. All right. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, and, and again, yeah, you mentioned the priest having sex also just being like a bit of a pushover too. Yeah. Uh, the priest is shown to be that. That's why, again, I go into Judas a little bit. Like he seems a little easily co- coerced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we got to talk about another thing that comes up in this movie, which I didn't expect yeah. is the kind of Harvey Weinsteining of the film industry a little bit. Oh, as far as uh, Muriel goes and her yeah. experience. Yeah. Where she's basically, yeah, yeah. She's basically a plaything for this director and he gives her work until, you know, she's not fun for him anymore. She doesn't want to do the things that he wants to do. So he just kicks her out. Well, she, I think she takes off. She she leaves him. Yeah. 
And I got to talk, like Catherine Wilkening, uh, her performance as Muriel is very, very good. And, uh, and yeah, no, I just, I think it's so interesting because she shows up as this like character again. She's very beautiful. You see her, you, you're introduced to her as a sexual object. Yeah. Cause she's doing that ad where she's wearing like a bikini and everything. And then she's asked to do the play. Um, uh, but the scene that really speaks to, to the Weinsteining of, uh, this character is when she goes in for another audition yes. and it's with him and she says, you know, Oh, I didn't bring a bikini. Like I, I completely forgot to bring a bikini. And not only is it him, it's every producer around. That's like, well, do it topless. Yeah. The the one that really goes hard on it is not even him. It's, it's the, uh, female, the female producer that's there is, yeah. like, well, honey, show us your tits. Which in night in 1989 is, is already saying like, not there it's not necessarily just a gender power thing it's just a power imbalance yeah yeah the, the the way that they treat actresses like pieces of meat and i mean this is a this is an audition for a beer commercial so it's not exactly shakespeare but that's what they're looking for specifically because because they have another girl that is there and she's like hey i can sing this song for you if you want and she's like nah nah the bikini's what matters babe so oh, no Show them off, babe. No. I want to see them. They look better than Francisco Franco fucking uh, Juan Perón at Club Med in 1971 with Fidel Castro watching and saying, hola, babe. Oh, Jason, get him out of here. You get out of here, Dennis. Okay, babe. Wow, he just left. Oh, he just, he just I, came for that. Well, you stay out, you, you hooligan. Thanks, Jimmy. I got we, you out again. Appreciate it. Uh, anyway, boys, we're, we're talking about Mr. Smith goes to Washington this week. No, no, Jimmy, if you could just go sit back down in your chair and whittle some more. Uh, you just you tell me when you want to talk about that movie, because I'm ready. We, we will. Don't worry. We'll get to it. It's a British movie, right? Uh, 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 yes, I can't do a British accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Good try, uh, though, bud. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll go sit over here and write another couple hundred poems about my dog. Okay, I can't wait to read them. Okay, bye. bye. I don't know why he made that noise. Uh, yeah, that wasn't a jetpack at all. He just, I, I guess he just, he wanted to keep consistent with our jetpack noises. I'm just over here in the corner, fellas, if you oh. need me. Thank, thanks, Jimmy. You sound a little Jimmy. different that time, but uh, whatever. Uh, there's different air over here. <laughs> a lot of air over there. <laughs> Not as much as the air up there. No. Oh, hey, there we go. There's a classic movie that I haven't seen but remember existing. Yeah, they might be gods. Was that? Was that? Oh, the, the gods might must be crazy. Is that what that's you're thinking? What of? It is. Yeah, oh. not they might be gods. They might be <laughs> they, giants because the yeah. gods must be crazy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um. So Jesus of Montreal. <laughs> Jesus of Montreal. Oh, the priest also liked Harlem Hookers. We forgot to mention that. He, oh, okay. He said that, like, yeah, I guess that wasn't his first time fucking around. He had uh, been in New York, and he enjoyed the ladies of Harlem. He said he liked black girls in Harlem. Okay. Well, there yeah. you go. There you go. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, Just yeah. And then, so, so, so in this scene, again, I back, back, go back to Muriel's audition again, because it ties into something you mentioned earlier. Um, Daniel gets so upset. Mm-hmm. Because she's being mistreated horribly by everyone, she's basically treated, you know, making her ver- feel very vul- vulnerable. And what does he do, Jason? He gets mad and he flips the fucking table like the money change, like the t- tables of the money changers in the temple. 
He just grabs it. He flips it over. He fucking flips over another table, Bret Hart style, and ruins a monitor. Uh, and knocks over a camera. He takes his finger and uh, makes it look like he's saying WCW with his finger. Yeah, which was weird because he didn't end up showing up in WCW. I think he just liked WCW. Yeah, and, and then he, he spit in Vince McMahon's face. Yeah, and um, we were like, why is he there? Where did he come from? How did he get a cameo in this God movie? damn it, Jesus, I wanted to see her tits. <laughs> That's true. He would. He plays a producer in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes up to the female producer and he fucking slaps her. <laughs> he slaps her in the face. And and this is great because like this happens and then a little bit later in the movie he gets arrested. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. "Oh right, there's consequences for your actions." <laughs> you forget about that when you watch like crappier movies. Yeah, no, exactly. Like they do something terrible and it's like, "Well, you just kind of accept, well, I guess they should be getting arrested, but that wouldn't work for the movie." No. They go and they do a thing and then the police show up and we're like, "Hey, uh so we got to arrest you for <laughs> destroying $110,000 in equipment and slapping a lady?" <laughs> and again, it, it like you said, it's it, it's a big biblical reference here i think that might be the most obvious one of them all yeah. um if you know your stuff or you know if you've seen at least one or two adaptations of the story but it's a big part of it right it's the yeah. what's the original context of the getting arrested of uh, no no well no just of the like the flipping over the tables oh and well because as i understand it and folks i'm no biblical scholar so uh please feel free to correct me uh but as i understand it like so he goes into the temple which is this place of worship it's you know very sacred and instead of, you know, the business of, of faith being done, you have all these merchants and money exchangers set up because, you know, back in the day and like today, there's lots of different currencies. And so people have a place they need to go to exchange that money. And of course, these people that were exchanging the money were, were doing it for money, you know, take an extra on top and do a business. But they were kind of profaning this temple with this secular business and Jesus wasn't having any of it. So he started flipping fucking tables because, you know, I guess you don't do that. You don't fucking change money in the temple, bud. You That's a rule. You don't do that, babe. No. Nope. Get nope. out of here, Dennis. Nope. We told I'm you. Back. Leave. No, nope. I need to tell you about Jesus was flipping more tables than uh, Gary Godard at a Pontiac Silverdome Brett Favre lookalike contest in okay. 1998, babe. Okay, Dennis. I think you're broken. You need to go. Bah! Well, that's right. It's, uh, I'm still on alert for Dennis. He's there. Just get, throw him out, Jim. He's gone. He's gone. Oh, okay, good, good. Thank uh, you, Jim. I'm almost done making this flute. Back to oh. the show, fellas. Thanks, Jim. There's the sound. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Uh, just, just keep it down, though, for now, Jim. All right. He's a good man. we got to put a lock on the door. I know. Just, I know. Fuck. Just leave him outside to guard it. <laughs> man. Um, so yeah, that was a b big biblical reference, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you. Cause I didn't know the full context of that because in this movie, the context is that he's upset at the way she's being treated. So it's a little yeah. different, but it's very obvious what we're kind of invoking. It's here. yeah. It's people taking advantage of the power structure and, and yeah. yeah, cause obviously like he sees theater and, and performance as something maybe more sacred, like he, cause he's really into it. Like he's not just some guy trying to make a mint and acting. He's doing acting cause he loves it and, and writing plays because it clearly is something he needs to do. And for them to be in there and taking advantage of this actress in that way is like profaning his own sacred space i would say and, and wouldn't you say the scenes where they're trying to like kind of coax him into doing advertising yeah, and, and yeah. talk show appearances that kind of mirrors st stuff in the bible right where they're trying to get him to to I guess to just perform miracles for them yeah. I guess, would be the similar <laughs> Well, I, I think part of it is it's just general temptation, you know, temptations yeah. of the world, which then culminates where at his, at his um, kind of hearing, his arraignment, 
he meets a lawyer who kind of starts talking to him and being like, look, man, we can, we can get you the world here. We can get you a book. We can get you on TV. We can do all this stuff. And in my mind, that's clear. That's like Satan in the desert. That's like him specifically being tempted by worldly stuff. And, you know, clearly that's not what he wants. And in fact, later in the movie, we have that moment where after he gets out of the hospital, he sees his friend's face on a billboard and he throws up. Um, Yeah. That may have to do with his injuries at that point, but that's, we'll get there. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think also, and, and, and it's interesting because that character, um, his name is Pascal, and a lot of people have said that he, he may be a stand-in for John the Baptist because he literally loses his head in yeah. that his head is on that poster. <laughs> what, about the, what about the play itself, the way it's shot? I thought that yeah. was interesting. Yeah, they well, I mean, they. I think they shot it like it was a movie. They did, and that's, again, that's what confused me for a while yeah. in that I thought they were just going to do like what it would look like as a movie watching the play, which they kind of still do, but they don't, they don't take the audience out of it though. I was going to say, it seems to me like they're shooting it like a movie because we see the audience, but it's clear that this is being blocked for the camera and not for the audience that's watching it. Cause right. like at one point they kind of go behind a pillar and have a conversation. I think it's uh, the dude playing pilot and the dude playing the Pharisee. And they're discussing like how G, you know, the Pharisee's like arguing that he should arrest Jesus and deal with them and everything. And it's clear that they're like behind the pillar having a secret conversation, but the audience is back there and they just be looking at their backs and probably not even able to hear them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, that's interesting. So they are kind of shooting it like a movie. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, yeah, that's weird because again, if it was a play, yeah, they, I don't think they would have that scene. They would be in front of the audience more. Yeah, they they would be, you know, they'd be crouched over like they were talking secretly to each other, but yeah, they would not be blocked that way with their backs to the audience. Yeah. Um and then uh, uh and and there's this like ethereal red glow during the whole time we see this. Yeah. And again, a good 25-minute chunk of the movie is is straight through, no cuts to anything mm. else, scenes from this play. I just that's such a bold decision. It is bold. And it's and it's interesting. Like the play itself is interesting in that like they have a there's a scene where they're playing archaeologists and they have yeah. an absolutely ancient looking portable computer there <laughs> um, talking about like recent historical evidence from Israel and analyzing stuff they found on the West Bank and such things. And then like. But just like weird alternate interpret like they like they go with the idea that Jesus was a, a fathered by a Roman soldier. Mm. Uh, uh, and the name what was the name uh, uh, Pan Pantertha or something like uh, something, which is a yeah. which is an idea of how Jesus may have been fathered. You know, maybe it wasn't immaculate conception. Maybe it was a Roman soldier. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But that's what they go with, and that's a that's a controversial interpretation, <laughs> especially for the Catholic authorities, who are, who are like, uh, no, she uh, Jesus was immaculately conceived. Thank they, you. They were calling him uh, Jesus Ben Pantera, uh, Yeshua. What? Yeshua Ben Pantera. Yeshua Ben Pantera? Okay, yeah. there we go. Yeah, there, actually, there's a... I've got to read it again. I started reading it. I don't think I ever finished it, but there's a... What's the guy? What's the guy's name? He's a, I think he's a Canadian author, Nico Bob something Hope. or other. But he wrote a book called Testament, and it's like a historical fiction take on Jesus' life, like a really grounded, like realistic take, like not like not bathed in, in spirituality or, or mm-hmm. magic or anything like that. Like just a fictional, what like this, how this guy's life might've actually been. And it was a fascinating read for what I saw or what I saw, what I read of it. Got to go back to it. So Testament, uh, Nico, somebody, whatever the guy's name is. Wow. It's there you go. That's enough. Find That's it. A, <laughs> find it. It's out there somewhere. Testament by Nico from grand theft auto five. Yeah. That's the guy. Well, actually Nico's from four. 
well, whatever. You'll figure it out. Um, I also like with going back to the to the priest a little bit. Also, like when he when when Jesus is kind of or when Daniel, I guess, my bad. When Daniel's kind of out of the picture for a while because he's being persuaded by you know that those those fancy Hollywood types, he tr- he gives a revised script to the other actors and tries to get them to like to like do his kind of modified script. And I love how they're all making fun of it because Daniel starts showing up in the background, which again, in a very Jesus-like way, he's like slowly walking in, just kind of being silent, watching his kind of disciples. And they each do their own like take on the script, but like with 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 typical, like stereotypical Hollywood acting styles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like, great. Like and- one guy's clearly doing a Brando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the idea that that was a bit Jesus did where he would just walk up behind people and, and they would just not see him until a certain point. They turn around and he's just like, hey, it's me, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> what up, Jesus? I've been here this whole time. <laughs> yeah, so I just think that's interesting that uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a cool scene that also shows, it also kind of alludes to the disciples being kind of devoted to Jesus even when he wasn't around or when they were trying to, you know, convince them that he wasn't what he said he was and all that good stuff. Breaking news update. The author I was talking about was Nino Ricci, not Nico. Nino Ricci. So check out Testament. Any relation to Christina? I don't believe so, but uh, who's to say? Oh, Christina Ricci. You know where to find us. We're here. If if you're related to Nino, uh, let us know. Get him on the horn and uh, we'll talk about uh, Jesus. Yeah, and maybe Adam's family values. Ooh, yeah. I'll have to watch it, though. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one, surprisingly. I always hear that it's better than the original, but... I, I have never heard that. No, I I've swear, I swear, I've heard that from some people, that they like Adam's Family Values better than the original. I, I, I haven't seen it, but Jason, I'm going to make an assumption. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make one word assumption about that. Nostalgia. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> I remember liking the original Adam's Family quite a bit, and it was also one of those tapes we got from McDonald's for cheap, along with Wayne's World, so we watched it a lot. Wow, they gave away quality films back in the day. Well, absolutely, yeah. There was another one too, but I don't remember what it was. But that, those uh, were two of them. A gnome named Norm. Uh, I don't think that was a movie. A troll. Actually, it was. Oh, it was? Damn it. Anthony Michael Hall's in it. Oh. Um, a troll in Central Park. That is, that, that is a movie. A troll 2. Also a movie. Hobgoblins. Uh, sounds like a movie. I'm just guessing what movie it was that you also got. And, I, and I'm assu- I'm just going to go with a theme of goblin or troll-related movies. I'm pretty sure it was a major Hollywood film, but I don't know what it would have been. Critters. Nope. Uh, My Stepmother's an Alien. Mm, no. Amistad. That's the one. <laughs> Fit for the whole hey, family. Kids, come on and get your happy meal and your copy of the Steven Spielberg's hit Amistad. Yay, burgers. And then, oh, my soul. <laughs> oh, man, my people were horrible. <laughs> you know what, Jason? Let's talk about Let's talk about this last scene. You, 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 you uh, kind of alluded to it a little bit. So what? what is this all? You know, the tension is building. The tension is building. They, they don't want them performing this. They're performing it on church grounds. Cops show up. What goes down? Well, and you, you would think, like, what could possibly go down? They're performing a play. Like, what, what's going to happen? Are the priests gonna, like, is the bishop going to show up with his fucking, like, crook and just start busting heads? But it kind of almost goes that way in that it kind of turns into a riot. <laughs> so the security shows up and they're like, hey, guys, like, look, we can't, you can't be doing this play. So we're going to ask that y'all leave. And the audience wants to continue watching the play. And there's a professional wrestler, apparently, in the audience who's very large. 
and he gets into it with the cops and fucking tackles one of this. Or I don't even know if they're cops. They might just be security. If they're I security. I think it's security. If it's security, these Catholics have a lot of security <laughs> for this church yeah. grounds. Maybe but it's like a combination of both. Maybe. Maybe they called in reinforcements. Maybe they hired some extra. Maybe they got some South African mercenaries in to help. But They were uh, Capitol Police. That's right. But the yeah, Capitol Police came all the way in just to help out. That's but, why they weren't there in January. That's right. That's right. They were busy in January. But they came in for the summer, for the uh, summer stock uh, performance. <laughs> But yeah, so they, so big pro wrestler guy fucking grabs one of the cops and tackles him. And in doing so, I think he runs into the cross that our friend Daniel is nailed up on and the cross falls down and Daniel kind of gets crushed under it. Now it's not that heavy, but he's tied up to the, the cross at that point and can't do anything. So they end up having to call the police and the, well, they, I guess the ambulance more so than the police. They call the ambulance, the ambulance comes, takes him, they go to a hospital, they take him to the nearest Catholic hospital. And it's busy. Oh, it's so busy. Well, Jason, would you say that this is a, uh, I know you mentioned in a, a previous movie, you said, oh man, they could have made some stance against the healthcare system in Canada. I think that was in Dead Ringers. You were like, oh, they yeah, could have said yeah, something yeah. there. In this one, I think they do. They do. Yeah. And like, I think so. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of a shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a small moment, but it's there, right? Because he goes there and there's a huge waiting room mm-hmm. and you know, it's like, oh, do you have your Medicare card and all that stuff? And, and it's what I think is hilarious is he's clearly like knocking on death's door like he's in rough shape and there's a guy ahead in the front of the line and they're just like do you have any uh history what's the history meant bad mental health in your family like it seems like the people ahead of him don't should not be ahead of him yeah (laughs) and also add the fact that he's still in like costume as jesus on the cross so he looks like he's got like fake like whip marks across him and everything he looks in far worse shape i think than he even is just because he was dressed up as jesus who had just been tortured and whipped and nailed to a tree Um, yeah 100 percent but yeah, it's definitely a sh- uh, uh, shot at the Canadian healthcare system because it's something that any of us can relate to where we go to an ER and even if it doesn't seem that busy, you end up spending a lot of time there waiting because that's just unfortunately the nature of our system. Uh, yeah, guys, COVID made it worse, but yeah. mark mark our words, it was not great before. We've all been there here in this country. We've all waited uh, in a waiting room and it's taken a while and sometimes you just leave. It's like if, if you think you can handle it, you'll just rather leave than stick around, right? And that's basically what they have to do. They just go and they try to take him down to the subway to get him home or down to the train station and he starts to have some sort of, I don't know if it's like a mental break or or something to do with his injuries, but he's like clearly got some brain damage yeah something's going on and he's walking around talking to people and he's saying like what, what are almost nonsensical and very ethereal things like like a jesus might do it was in a yeah well it's almost like when jesus is kind of stumbling around right towards the end before yeah. they before they really you know put him up on the cross or whatever it's yeah. very similar and then he fucking collapses and uh they call the ambulance again and this time they take him to a Jewish hospital and we kind of have a funny line where he's like they're like what Jewish hospital we can't take him there he's not Jewish he goes well we'll pretend he's Jewish <laughs> the original idea because uh was the director was going to you know they were going to bring him to the Jewish hospital and it was going to lead to his death because they were going to, you know, be like kind of incompetent or whatever. And the director was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to we're not going to go for that. So because because they are represented as as being as trying very hard to save his life. They're 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 they look like they're competent doctors. They're not there. It's not like Mel Gibson did not direct this film. So he doesn't go to the Jewish hospital and like immediately blow up or something. Yeah, um, I mean, he's, he's making an oblique reference to the idea that Jews killed Christ. Yeah. But, but again, but he's we know doing that's not it, really the case. But he's also doing it in a way where it's not like 
they can't they they're they're dumb you know what i mean they're not like they're not stupid characters no they they try point. very hard to save him but it just it's it uh, his brain his brain is too much and it it he becomes brain dead he's still alive but he's brain dead and that's when they ask his friends because he doesn't have any family yeah if he can you know if they can have his body and his uh uh blood his blood is type o negative so there we got a very straight jesus reference the body and the blood right Mm-hmm. And so, but then they use that body. They they take his heart and his eyes, and they donate a heart to a, a man who needs a new heart, and they donate his eyes to a lady who needs new eyes. And that's apparently, and it makes sense that that's sort of the resurrection of Jesus at that point. It's like because he's giving new life to these two people in different ways. He's also laying on the bed, literally in the cross position. They show him at one point, and he's got his arms out. And his legs together, like it's it's very obvious. That's maybe the one moment where I was like, "All right, it's a bit that's a bit much." <laughs> it's a little <laughs> little piling on at that point. But I will say, there's another moment too that ties back into the uh, healthcare criticism because a doctor actually says, "Had he been here 30 minutes earlier, we might have been able to save him." Actually, exactly, exactly. Then he gone there first. So there you go. <sighs> but then, yeah. So so after his death, they you know they see him cremated and. And they decide to carry on his legacy, much like the disciples. Uh, yeah. And they want to name, have a theater named after him and to do kind of the esoteric weird plays that he liked doing. And they're going to try to keep his dream alive. And, and there's a whole thing where they say, you know, we're going to give you money to keep it running. And they said, okay, but we don't want to muddle his message. We don't want to, we don't want to turn this mainstream. We don't want to turn this commercial. And that's kind of what's happened over the years when it comes to religion, right? Because it, it, now, religion obviously has a very sordid past, and we're not going to spend time going into that. But there's still sort of a, you know, a, a, there, there's, a, there's a collection of people that hope to kind of keep it uh, some sort of purity to it. And it's kind of being taken over by people who clearly have no interest in religion, but just know what to, what to, oh, yeah. what to talk got, about. It's across the spectrum. You've got the people that take advantage of it as grifters, and then you've got the people that are actually like, very fundamentalist about it and are very much about purity and whatever they think the purity and, of it is. It's, it's a and, crazy and, spectrum. And then you've got the people that, you know, say that they're religious and very open about stuff and very progressive in that way. But like, you know, I believe in this and I believe in that, but I'm not going to shut out a gay person. I'm not going to say a black person is worse than me. I'm not going to do this. and I'm not going to do that. It's very like, you know, I, I know people, there are people in my life, that I would have never known are religious because my assumption is that when someone is religious, unfortunately, this is just my view, having seen so many quote unquote religious people over the years. Um, my assumption is that when they're religious, they just <laughs> hate everything that isn't a white male. Like, honestly, that's, that's, that's just, unfortunately, that's the extremism of it. I find that people that are cool with their religion are generally not in your face about it. <laughs> that, and that's the thing. That's why I never know that they are, yeah, that they exactly. are religious. And then they tell me and I'm like, wait a second, you don't let, you don't hate gay people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And look, I'm not trying to slam all religious people. Like no, you, you do, you, you know what, live your best life as long as it's not hurting every, anyone whatever, else. Exactly. Whatever gets you covered, gives you comfort and gets you through the day. Who am I to judge? Uh, you know, it's not affecting my life. Live your life, man. As long as you're not persecuting anyone for living their life and yeah. you're not hurting anyone else live your best life do it man fucking enjoy it i think that's a good message yeah, to give yeah, to the man. kids great message man yeah, yeah thumbs man. up dude oh cool dude yeah all right well jason i think uh should we should we take a break we should take a break and come back with a little bit of timbits all right well we're gonna take a break we're gonna sip some double doubles we're gonna oh i would love a double double right now oh no me, no no i want a black baby only black i'm gonna oh, right. no, folks oh. i'm gonna tell you right now when we take a break i am gonna make another coffee 
uh, also, Jason, I take that back. I don't know why I said double double. I think I just meant Tim Hortons coffee. Okay. I I don't I do not put anything in my coffee. No, yeah, you're you're smart. You're a good man. <laughs> um, but we are gonna take a break. We're gonna munch on some Timbits. Uh, Jason's gonna munch on my butt, and uh, we'll be right back with some uh, little Timbits. Ooh, I'm gonna floss my teeth at the same time. This will be fun. Age of Radio Butts. Jason's got some timbits. Jason's got some timbits. I have got some timbits, and those timbits are for you. Brandon's gonna chime in a few of his own timbits, but mostly it will be Jason. Timbits? Timbats. All right. So this movie gets right into it. We're like, there's barely even uh, time for the title card. The dialogue starts, and we see this play, and uh, that's when the guy gets hanged. And then it's like, what? And then, oh, it's a play, and we all laugh and applaud. Hilarious. I do like. I have a. I have a weakness for when a movie opens with a scene from a movie within a movie or a play within a movie, unless it's like Halloween Two, the Rob Zombie Halloween Two, and it's like 25 minutes long, and then it turns out to be someone's dream. Holy shit, dude. Okay, no no word of a lie. I think there were there were like 15 people in the theater watching that. I saw at least 6 of them get up and walk out. <laughs> like that you, fuck you, Rob Zombie. That's a long that's a long time to commit outside of a porn because I've seen a porn where there is a the first like 15 minutes is a dream. Well, uh, but it's because in the dream, she's fucking Peter North. And there's well, no other reason for him to be in the movie. Here's the thing about uh, about a dream scene in a porno. You could still jerk off to it. That's that is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I, I don't know if the, I think there was supposed to be some intentionally bad stage acting when Daniel was watching uh, an earlier version of the play. And I said yeah. and I put I wrote down that intentionally bad stage acting is hilarious. Oh, it is. And uh, yeah, exactly. When we're watching yeah, the video, that's like clearly like the old stodgy version of the play. And they're all yeah. very, very formal and stiff. And yeah, <laughs> That's the way the church likes it. Formal and stiff, baby. Mm, that priest does. Yeah. Well, we, we get it. That priest gives us an Alex Guinness, Alec Guinness name drop. I, I was, I was like, Jason better pick up on that. I haven't heard a name drop of Alec Guinness in a long time. A long, a time. long, long time. Uh, and then he starts doing a, was it a, now is the winner of our discontent. He starts doing that speech in English. Yeah. He does. It's like Richard the third, right? Yeah, which I found funny that like he quoted that speech in English, but then when dude does um, Hamlet later, he does it in French. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. The audience is French, but you know, respect respect the bard is what I'm saying, French people. Jason, there was a moment in this movie that is perhaps the most offensive moment in the entire movie. Oh, is it the Kabuki dancer thing? Um, I don't know what that is. Okay, <laughs> I I was just gonna say, um, eating pizza with a fork and a knife. I'm going to say oh. it right here. No, 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 no. I'm not backing down. You eat that pizza with your fucking hand. Don't be a little bitch. Don't use a fork and a knife. Sometimes, Brendan, the pizza's hot. I don't care. I've eaten pizza plenty with a fork and knife in my life. Man up. Pull your balls up to your shoulders and eat that pizza with Do your you hand. Do you want to fight my mother? Because she'll come down here and fight you. I will fight your mother, Jason. All right. Well, I will. I will be talking to her. I will set it up, and we will uh, be like when UA Bowl wanted to fight anybody. It'll be like Listen. an open challenge. My mom against anybody. The only manner of eating pizza that I accept is with your hand or with scissors, like in Cobra. Oh well, obviously that's the best method. 
<laughs> Fork and knife is okay for pizza, folks. I will not judge you. Brendan is a bigot. No, do not do it. I will come to your house and murder you. He will too. He's very, he's very um, dedicated. I've done it before. RCMP, he'll, I know you're listening. And he'll do it again. <laughs> uh, so, and that's, of course, we find out at this point that the pre- or at some point that the priest is fucking Constance. Uh, Leclerc, I guess his name is. And oh, I thought, you meant, I thought you meant the priest is fucking constantly. No, well, I mean, whenever he can get it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, she justifies it by saying it gives him so much pleasure and me so little pain. <laughs> yeah, so she's like, not into you, it that much. So is this, So you're not into it? This is just a fucking gimme for you? Like, come on, lady. She. It's a pity fuck. Let's just oh, say it. It's a pity fuck. Don't do that. Don't pity fuck a priest. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Was the other line there I've written down? It uh, the world the world began without man and it will end the same way. Oh, that's when they go to the um, that's when they hire that yes. guy that's at the uh, the uh, planetarium thing. Yeah, he's doing like a narration for like a space documentary, and it's right. That's a great that, line because that's so true. <laughs> that guy is hilarious though, Renee, because he he doesn't want to do the play at first, and he doesn't sign on to it because, and he says, you know, this is why I work very little because I like to read my scripts before. Before I do it, he's literally doing a, a planet. <laughs> like he's not exactly working in like the high end of uh, acting. Also, he looks like some English actor that I, English. I mean, like American or Canadian. I don't I don't think uh, he's British, but like he does remind me of some American or Canadian actor that's been working in recent years. He's got a similar look to him. And I don't know who it is. I can't pin it down. I'm not I'm not sure, Jason. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know. Folks, if you know who he looks like, let us know. <laughs> who does this guy look like that's our question now, now I, is there also our new t-shirt who does this guy look like <laughs> who does this guy look like and, just, and we find like the dumbest like most pixelated p- version of a picture of his face mm-hmm. yep <laughs> so nobody could tell who it is uh do want to point out roy dupuis is in this movie though he plays one of the cops that arrests jesus and one of the funniest scenes for me is when they first arrest him after he did that like destroyed that uh yeah. audition is that they arrest him and they're just casually interrogating him while he's still on the cross for yeah. like the, the play. Yeah. He's, he's, I thought that was just, great. Yeah, that was great. It's talking to this guy and just being so serious about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's another, there's a, uh, an interesting line here. I thought is, uh, I don't remember who says it, but someone said there's more merit in loving those who hate you because it shows that you're not just loving them to return the favor. Like it's harder yeah. to, it's harder to love someone that doesn't necessarily love you back. Yeah. Rather than just loving someone back. That's like a core, kind of a core tenet of Christianity, you know, love your enemy kind of thing, right? And you're right. It does take a lot of effort to do that, I imagine. And that's why I say Kevin Spacey. I love you, big guy. Love you, buddy. Just keep your hands to yourself. Okay. Okay. Uh, What else we got here? Uh, We talked about uh, him wanting to do Hamlet's soliloquy and they just shove it in there really for no reason. But he does a good job. Perchance to dream. The music in this movie. There are some. There are some city shots of this movie, which, as I understand, the director liked doing these long ass shots of Montreal. It's sort of like a god's eye thing, like looking down upon the city. But it's got some of the most eighties ass eighties like city music, where it's like wailing guitar and it just. I can't even. Yeah. Like it reminds me a little bit of "You Belong to the City" by Glenn Frey, but <laughs> just, just kind of like that wailing, yeah. you know. It's so 80s, guys. It's uh, I, I check out the soundtrack. I'm sure it's on. Uh, I'm sure you can get the score at, at any record store you happen to have nearby. Well, Jason, also, it's like they say, it's survival in the city when you live from day to day. That's right. You belong to the city, Brendan. You belong oh, to the night. Wait, I do? 
You do, yeah. So oh. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but what about that conspiracy couple that's like talking to the actors after the performance and they're talking <laughs> about like the Bible is, is is numbers, it's all math if you think about it. And it's like um I think it's Martin and Renee that are trying like not to laugh at, the, yeah. at these people. I forget what they are exactly talking about, but that scene was pretty funny. How 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 much they would have laughed if they'd have known that those people today would be would have an influential podcast uh, that went out to millions of people. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about for screen and country. Yes, that's right. The premier okay. conspiracy podcast out there, folks. Uh, the new Turn the new the narrative. Gay. So the new oh by the way, just a side note for you, Brendan. The new narrative with the COVID vax is that so apparently. Uh, they're putting graphene oxide in the vaccines and Alex Jones read an article about how graphene oxide is being used in brain controlled robots. So oh, okay. we're going to be controlled. Uh, I mean, that's all bullshit. There's no graphene oxide in the vaccine. And that has to do with like uh, the article has to do with like, f- like fake arms, like robot arms that you could have if you lost your arm. It's a whole thing, but that's the new narrative. So keep that in mind folks. And well, by the time you hear this, it'll probably have changed. Jason, full dis- I mean, full disclosure to everyone, um, the vaccine helps, and I can tell you that firsthand right now, and that is why we are both remote. Yes, Brendan is uh, uh, finishing up his uh, his stretch with the uh, with the, the the vid. So uh, wish him yeah. wish him all the best. Send him all the money. Um, but I mean, by the time you listen to this, I'll be fine or dead. So. <laughs> Brendan's sort of having his own freedom convoy right in his uh, in his living room. So we're going to need to set up a GoFundMe and get him a bunch of money so that he can honk his horn and. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they did go right past my house, and I did open the window and yell as loud as I could, Black Lives Matter, so. You, you, you're you doing God's work, Brendan. Thank you. And when I did, my throat felt real bad, but yeah. it was worth it. <laughs> oh, what else we got here? Um, that, oh, there's that woman that has, like, the podcast or radio show or whatever. Yeah. I just want to point out her terrible setup. She's sure. in a room with full of windows she with looks like a she's microphone. Sitting in a, she looks like she's sitting in a car dealership. Like, <laughs> Yeah, with... Full of windows and one microphone, no yeah. padding, no like blankets. No, come on. Also, this movie's made in 1989. I don't think she's doing a podcast. Well, she could have been. Maybe she. Maybe she's the pioneer. Maybe she was like friends with Adam Curry, and that was the first podcast. Maybe distributed on cassette tape to all of her loyal listeners. Yeah, Dan McCoy watched this movie, and he was like, "There's an idea." Would you pay, folks, would you pay $20 for each episode of our podcast if we were to distribute it on cassette tape? Let us know. Because I've got some news. <laughs> we're going the other way. We're not going on Spotify. We are just going to start. The only way you're going to be able to get the future podcast is on cassette tape. Yep. And it's going to have other stuff on it, too. So you got to, like, fast forward and find it on there. Oh, absolutely. It's it's a it's a real treasure hunt. Uh, what else? We Oh, oh, yeah. OK, yeah. Because that the conspiracy theory couple also said that AIDS was produced in a lab. And then they were also going on about the hollow moon. It's like the astronauts know it's hollow, but they can't prove it. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. So the, the play, as I noted, was a mix of revisionism and history to the traditional story. One thing I liked is that they, they established themselves as firm triclavinists. Because in Christianity, there is a little bit of dispute by different groups of how many nails were used to nail uh, Christ to the cross. And this movie takes a very strong stand that it was only three. So they are triclavinists, but there are people that think it was four. 
If only that was the biggest dispute in our world right now, Jason. Well, it's proof to me that that like sci-fi nerds like me are the next generation of theologians because <laughs> it's like a dumb thing that that a Star Trek fan would like argue about. Like, well, no, it yes, it has three nacelles, but Roddenberry said that it can't have three nacelles, so of course each nacelle is two warp coils. So technically, it doesn't violate the rule that you can't have an odd number of nacelles because there's an even number of warp coils. They're just in three nacelles. Um, I, I get there's a description of talk show interviews that I thought was really funny. Um, the guy that's trying to sell Jesus on all, uh, Daniel, is trying to sell Daniel on all these like media things he can do, and he says, "Oh, some ways of saying nothing go over so well. Like, but we'll give you a script, you'll be saying nothing at all in these talk shows, but it'll just it'll work." Yeah, I mean, really, that's what a lot of talk shows are. People just say whatever just to get their face out there and have a few laughs and listen, s- sell whatever for every. Joaquin Phoenix amazing appearance on David Letterman. <laughs> There's just like a random interview with, you know, Ray Liotta on Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> yeah. Promoting his new uh, anti-smoking uh, uh, movie. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Thank you, you should, for smoking. Ray Liotta, you should do a movie about smoking, about how you shouldn't do it. And I know that, I know he's in an ad for the stop smoking stuff, but like, we really got to go hard on this, Ray. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know the smoking thing. I don't know why Ray Liotta is getting roped into this. Well, he, 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 you haven't seen those ads. He was doing an ad for like Champix or one of those like stop smoking. Oh, I didn't aids. know. I yeah, didn't yeah, know yeah. that. Yeah, he's like, I don't, I don't smoke anymore. I'm Ray Liotta, and you shouldn't either. I, 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 I gotta, says. I gotta, I gotta imagine that as soon as they yelled "cut," he lit up, lit up a cigarette. He's like fucking Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that lawyer's going out with a girl that is seventeen. Didn't catch that. Detail. No, because he's he's like going. He's got this girl with him, and he's like walking and talking with Daniel, and he's like, you know, giving him the bullshit about like because he takes him to a fancy restaurant, and they're gonna have lobster. And at one point, he, he she like walks, she gets mad at something, and walks up ahead, and he looks at her and goes, or looks at Daniel and goes, "She's 17. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah. At one point, the priest gets angry in the church, or I uh, sorry, security guard gets angry in the church because he can't stop the play and says, "God damn it all!" And then he stops and he kind of looks and he does the like cross his heart. Yeah, thing. <laughs> <laughs> thought that was funny. Oh, the 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 kabuki thing I mentioned. So when they're when they're making fun of the play, they start saying like, "Oh, we'll do it in this style, this style." At one point, they're like, "Oh, we'll do it as a Japanese kabuki style," oh, and then they just yeah. they just start going, oh, oh, "Oh," and like doing karate bad karate moves and it's just like okay guys okay we get you it, it was <laughs> it was a little 1989 moment it was there. very 1989 moment but uh, yeah that's probably the that's probably the most out there thing in this movie <laughs> um somebody at one point says that daniel is a godsend oh towards the end when you know all this all his uh his parts are going out um there's a boom mic in the shot. I just want to point that out. Yes. I noticed the boom po- poking in. I noticed that in the in the hospital hallway when she's walking <laughs> away. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Sometimes it's too late to cut it. Well, I wonder too. Like this movie, we saw it in four three. I wonder if it had been matted to one eight five to one for the theater. When I saw the big guy for the first time, I had that I had that feeling of like when Homer. <laughs> When on the Simpsons, Homer is like outside his house and all those, all the like Hong Kong mafia show up and there's one little guy in a white suit and Homer's like, oh, but the little guy's going to do something. Like as soon as I saw that big guy, I'm like, he's going to do something. Something's going down. <laughs> but we did get to see it and he caused all the trouble. So he causes a lot of the trouble by knocking the uh, policeman into the cross and knocking Daniel over. It's not often that a play results in a riot. That's got to be a pretty rare thing in at least modern history. Not since cats. Yeah. <laughs> 
and people no, were just mad. No, stop the play. Stop the play. <laughs> There's no buttholes. We want the buttholes back. Bring back the buttholes. The butt. Wait, that was even that was that was during the play that they wanted the buttholes. They wanted they wanted full buttholes of the play. They wanted all the actors to like simultaneously bend over and expose themselves to the audience. And the director rightfully was like, "Guys, that's harassment. You can't do that. They're just actors." But the audience was very the, the audience had a lot of solidarity that night, and they did it. So yeah, well, Alfred Hitchcock would have done it because actors were cattle to him. Absolutely, absolutely. They're they're living props if you can even give them that much credit. I think that's about as much credit as he gave them. Yeah. Uh, everything in search of happiness that comes up at one point and that's true isn't that life really everybody's trying to find happiness somehow everybody's just looking for a wormhole that's right baby any port in a storm <laughs> yeah and I think we pretty much gutted the asteroid's body and blood in one of the more blatant uh, uh, references uh, he gives his 30 year old heart to some guy he's happy about it and then oh and then the movie kind of gets bookended with the two women we saw at the beginning singing uh, now they're at the end singing in a uh, at the at the train platform where where uh, Daniel had died. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, is that the end of your Timbits, Jason? That would be the end of my Timbits. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to mention. I mean, we did mention a lot of the similarities to the Bible, so I will skip over most of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do want to mention that the idea for this movie apparently did uh, Den- Denise. Is it Denise or Dennis? I just say Denny because that's okay, how Denny. most English people seem to pronounce it. Denny Arcand um, ha- was holding an audition and an actor showed up with a beard and apologized saying, I'm sorry, I'm Jesus. And then the actor basically uh, explained he had a- he was playing Jesus at a passion play and Arcand went to see the play and said, I saw actors in a mediocre production which received shout- shouted applause from the tourists and I decided I had to make a movie. <laughs> um and and then the actor also, this is where he got a lot of the ideas because the actor spoke to Arkan about the difficulties like he and his friends had in the acting profession, saying they had to work in a lot of like at like commercials and porn porn films like, um, and Arkan by the way just specifically him he uh was a lapsed Catholic and self proclaimed atheist. Um, he did not actually think of this movie as a religious movie because he kind of saw it just as a metaphor of the artist and struggles and temptations just in general as, be, as being, you know, an actor, a performer. Um, I mean, there's nothing in this movie to indicate any divine intervention as far as I can know. Like it's, it's it, there no. are parallels to the Christ story, but it's not yeah. it's not about some guy like receiving special visions or, or power from the it Lord. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel like the the maker of this movie that you could guess that they were any sort of religion one way or the other. Hmm. It's just um, it's using that as inspiration for the story versus, you know, putting any sort of religious viewpoint forward. Exactly. Uh, Arkand also had a great deal of success with a movie called The Decline of the American Empire um, and basically got a blank check after that to make whatever he wanted. So he made this movie and it was made for $4.2 million, which was a lot in 1989 for a Quebec film. Um, interestingly too, one of the things I thought was cool about this is Joanne Marie Tremblay, who plays, uh, Constance, she actually reprised this same role in later movies made by Archon called The Barbarian Invasions and Days of Darkness. So she actually plays the same character in those movies. Yeah. Cause I know Remy Girard stars in Barbarian Invasions. I didn't realize that she was in it as the same character. That's interesting. And it's interesting, Decline of the American Empire and Barbarian Invasions were on this top 10 list the year, be- the not the year, the decade before this, but both were taken off. 
Um, so Denis Arcand had three movies on this top ten, which I think is a little is pushing it. Maybe. That's excessive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go ahead. You get ten Canadian movies, and we got to repeat a director. Come on. I mean, I'm sure they're good, but yeah. Oh yeah, no, I get of course, but I I don't think I think with a hundred, yes, you're gonna yeah. get the same director a few times, but ten, yeah, come on, yeah, um. And then the last thing I just wanted to mention is that he uh, had a hard time filming in French Canadian churches, uh, obviously based on the script. They they denied him permission, but he was able to get English language Catholic churches because they couldn't read the screenplay and they <laughs> needed the money. So they said, yep, go to town. And he was able to do it. That's genius. That's genius. Jason. You'd think that... You'd think that one of them would have a French friend who spoke English to be like, hey, could you go over this and give me a, a precy of what it's about? <laughs> Interpreter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Jason, I'm excited to tell you this. First of all, it, I'm not going to go over all the awards, but it sweeps at the Genie Awards. It yes. does very well. And Jason, mm. we haven't said this in a long time. This movie goes to the Oscars. Oh, really? It is only nominated for one Oscar. Best foreign film? Best foreign language film. Does not win. It loses to uh, Cinema Paradiso. Oh, I've heard of that movie before. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. It's one of the movies I've heard about the most and never seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure that's a Criterion disc as well. I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, first Canadian film on this list that goes to the Oscars. There you go. About time. Uh, <laughs> Wait till next just, week. <laughs> so I'm glad we didn't hit that milestone last week because I wasn't as big of a fan. Uh, Roger Ebert uh, gave the movie three and a half out of four stars says Arcand was the best of the new generation of Quebec filmmakers and say it's it says it it's interesting the way Arcand makes this work as theology and drama at the same time. New York Times said the movie was intelligent and audacious, praising the first half, but then said the first first half is great before it gives into leaden self-conscious Christ imagery. So they felt that the imagery was a bit heavy-handed. Uh, Rolling Stone says Arcand has exposed a world that can't recognize its own hypocrisy or hear a voice in the wilderness. Jonathan Rosebaum said it's a must-see. David Denby, however, said it was smug from the beginning, but not boring, thanks to the theatricality and skill. Um, Entertainment Weekly really called us out, saying, Hasn't Canada in the past 20 years ever seen a single touring company of Jesus Christ Superstar? And said the movie fl uh, flits between the smug and the ersatz mystical. I, uh, that's funny. The two separate reviews called it smug. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, I can I can see why they would arrive at that. I don't particularly think it's smug. I think, but... that's, I think they just misunderstand French Canadians. Yeah. They're not smug. Um, that's just who they are. And in terms of religious response, like I said earlier, Jesus of Montreal basically was met with calm on its release. Like nothing really... Nobody really went at all out on it, um, and again, in comparison to Last Temptation of Christ, which wow. got a very big uproar. How many people in English Canada and America actually saw it? It wasn't worth the Catholic Church's time to bother with. Yeah, but I think I think they're comparing to like in in context of the size of people that saw it. There still mm. wasn't a lot of people out of the group that saw it that were like, Aah! yeah. But I bet you a lot more people saw something like Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying proportionate to that. Yeah. I think they're saying there wasn't really anything. Yeah. Um, which makes sense because I don't think this movie's really taking heavy well shots. As as I said earlier, it's a movie where it's now obviously with Life of Brian, this didn't really matter, but like it's not about Jesus. It's a guy that is having parallels to Jesus's life. Last Temptation of Christ is about Jesus. Like it's ascribing things to him that maybe aren't in the Bible, but uh, uh, Martin Scorsese thought were cool. 
that I really like, like the fact that Jesus builds the fucking cross in that movie. Like that's, that's a cool bit. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure religious people were just really mad because they cast a white guy as Jesus because that's not accurate. Right. That's why they were mad. They really should have called Omar Sharif. I mean, he could do it. He could do it. He'd be a little older. 1989, but he could have done it. He could do it now. I'm calling it. Give him a call. Well, he could certainly play Jesus at the end. He could play it as an audio performance on our podcast. Ooh. Well, we could get an AI Omar Sharif voice. Well, no, Jason, we have the key to Republican heaven. Oh, that's true. Do you think Omar Sharif's in Republican heaven? I mean, he's where Omar Sharif is where Omar Sharif wants to be that's at any true. given moment. That's true. He might be over in Irish Republican heaven, just drinking he might, with everybody. Yeah, playing bridge. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's pretty much all I got. Uh, yeah. So, Jason, I will uh, I'll defer to you first. Uh, what'd you think? I thought this movie was great. I was really impressed. Uh, and it, it, I like that for me, it started out seeming like kind of a conventional movie about a bunch of people doing a play, but kind of the, the Jesus thing, like the Jesus parallels became more striking as the movie went on. And once he flipped that fucking table, I was like, oh boy, here we go. All right. I get what's going on now. But yeah, no, it was really enjoyable. Great performances, lovely shots of Montreal, the city. Um, all in all, a good watch. And it, like I say, a great companion piece to something like Last Temptation of Christ or dogma or uh, uh, uh life of brian like that's not it's not saved. like a straight up comedy saved but but it's an interesting kind of take on jesus and that idea and this guy going through a similar experience and an yeah. alien resurrection yeah it's sure. got resurrection the, in the title yeah absolutely i mean that was a metaphor for jesus if nothing else right <laughs> no i yeah, liked Ripley. it liked it a lot brendan what did you think I thought this was garbage. No, this was, uh, I thought this was really good. Your face when I said that. Um, I thought this was really good. I'm, it was a nice palate cleanser after last week's movie that I didn't uh, super care for. And I mean, it was also a palate cleanser because this wasn't nearly as disturbing as last week's film. That's it. That's Um, it. It was a little lighter, a little more, there was some more humor in there. There was, and the, the humor wasn't so dark. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, again, like you, I wasn't sure what we were getting into until the whole thing started where, um, we flipped back from the play to real life and you started to see the parallels. And I, I too was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's see what the, I had a feeling at that point too. I made a prediction in my head. It's like, Oh, Daniel's going to die at some point somehow. Um, my I question was, think- how's he going to be resurrected? But we saw yeah. that with the organizations. Well, I'm 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 glad they didn't just resurrect him. <laughs> um I will say that as a criticism, I think it goes a little too far at the end with all the like him like laid out in that position. I think it I think it piles a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat a little bit. But I mean it still works. Um and it's a it's a pretty good pretty good little movie. So pass. Thumbs in our asses. And up. Yeah, they're up. Oh, they're up for sure. Woo, tingles. But Jason, we are now heading to the top three. We are. Wow. We uh, And this is going to be our last English language film uh, coming up next week. This is uh, number three. This is uh, one that I think maybe aside from Dead Ringers or maybe alongside Dead Ringers might be the one that most people know of. This is the 1997 Adam McGoyan film. The Sweet Hereafter, starring Bobbert Hoskins. Nope. Starring Ian Holm. Thank you. Don't make my same mistake. And Bob Hoskins. Oh, I wish. I wish I was right. And Sarah Polly? Sarah. 
Sarah Polly is in it, uh, very young because this yeah. is ninety seven. So but not probably well, like, not not like child. She's not like Road to Avonlea young. She's probably in her like late teens, early twenties. I would say minimum. I think late teens. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So we're gonna talk about the sweet hereafter. I just know it's about a school bus and it's very sad. Yes, that's the big thing about this movie. I've heard it's tragic. It's about a bunch of kids that die on a school bus. So there you get go. Get ready, so, folks. Strap in. Get ready to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and I think just, just as a shout out to, to people actually looking for these movies, I think this one might be easier to find too. So yeah, you might be I, able to I find so. this one somewhere. But other than that, Jason, uh, you can, uh, you can find us on social media. You can go on Facebook. You just search for, for screen. I'm good. You can find us on Twitter at FSAC pod. That's for screen and country podcast. If you are listening to this right now on any particular podcast app and you think this app is a piece of shit, you can listen to it on any app. You can go to ageofradio.org slash for screen and country. We're all over the place, baby. And if you want to see what Jason's talking about when it comes to his religious beliefs, you can follow him at Jason D. McLeod. That is M-A-C-L-E-O-D. You'd be less likely to hear about my religious opinions and more about my Wordle score, but uh, come on by and uh, see if I got the word this this day. Well, and that just reminds me, Jason, that we need to wrap up soon because I have not done my Wordle for today. Oh, you're in for a treat. It's, uh, it's a tough one. All right. Well, as I go off to do my Wordle, um, I guess I just have to say strap in for next week. It's it's a real comedy of errors, uh, the sweet hereafter. Um and until that moment, I guess uh, I'm just going to say to you, Jason, uh, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for our screen. And our country. I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Jesus be with you. Yes, you're the Christ. You're the great Jesus Christ. Jesus is just the-